More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Wednesday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We've got a lot to dive into today. Buck and I were down in Tallahassee yesterday for Ron DeSantis's inauguration. That is certainly one of the big positives to come out of the 2022 elections. But the fallout of the 2022 election in the House of Representatives is ongoing. As we move throughout the course of today's program, uh, we are likely to get further drama as it pertains to Kevin McCarthy's quest to become the Speaker of the House. The positive is Nancy Pelosi is gone. She will never return as the Speaker of the House for any of our lives. I think, Buck, I, th- I think that that's almost impossible. That uh, So what now is going to happen is there are about 20 House Republicans who are essentially saying we will not support Kevin McCarthy's bid for Speaker. He can only lose five House Republicans. He lost three votes yesterday. By the third vote, the number had moved from 19 to 20. Late last night and early this morning... Donald Trump continued to support Kevin McCarthy's bid for speaker. But right now, as we are beginning the program, there is uncertainty as to what may happen in the House. There could be a fourth vote, Buck, almost certainly which Kevin McCarthy would lose. And then, theoretically, that would continue to devalue his ability to put together a governing coalition to get to 218. There are also reports that the Democrats may be maneuvering behind the scenes to potentially uh, try and put something together as well. Now, Buck, you and I talked about yesterday, the nuclear sort of scenario here is the 19 or 20 House Republicans refuse to support McCarthy. McCarthy refuses to step down. And then some small number of House Republicans decide they're going to caucus with the Democrats for purposes of Hakeem Jeffries ending up. That's the nuclear on both sides. The other possibility here 
is maybe some Democrats end up coalescing around a more moderate Republican. There's some sort of agreement to share power like we saw in the Senate. And the House majority that is in control of Republicans is not as strong as it otherwise would be. That is the absolute latest. And for people out there who may not care that much about who the who the Speaker of the House is, um, I certainly understand that because you're frustrated with Republicans in general. But this is a dramatic scenario that hasn't played out in 100 years, Buck. You mentioned nuclear. If they allow a Democrat to become Speaker of the House... That's nuclear meltdown, right? That That is political Chernobyl. That is a, a, a nightmare. And I do think that there is enough of an understanding among even the holdouts. And they're, they're saying very clearly the people who, I guess now it's up to 20 votes in yep. the, on the Republican side against McCarthy. And we know the fourth House Speaker vote could begin at any moment as we're talking to all of you across the country. I have to say, Donald Trump, uh was right here when he put out this statement um i think this was just when when did this go up uh yeah this was just posted on truth social some really good conversations took place last night it's time for all of our great republican house members to vote for kevin close the deal take the victory and watch crazy nancy pelosi fly back home to a very broken california the only speaker in u.s history to have lost the house twice Republicans do not turn a great triumph into a giant and embarrassing defeat. It's time to celebrate. You deserve it. Kevin McCarthy will do a good job and maybe even a great job. Just watch. So Trump comes in here. Yep. With the endorsement of McCarthy at this phase. And, you know, this is why I was of the mind, Clay, because there's a lot of conversations going on behind closed doors here. We're not fully aware of what exactly is being said if people are, are leaking to different members of the press to get out their side of the story but i was i was thinking all right there's a lot of frustration and there there's some maneuvering going on about guaranteeing subcommittee slots and and chairmanships for freedom caucus members and uh setting up some kind of um separate investigate investigative arm if you will of congress for the freedom caucus to look at of issues, COVID, uh, vaccines, etc. Those conversations happening, I think I'm okay with. I want, or I was okay with, I want to know now what is the goal and what are the costs that these holdouts are willing to pay because it is entirely unacceptable and it is honestly lunacy to consider that there would be a consensus or even Democrat candidate who comes out of this. That would be a massive own goal, a massive self-inflicted wound, and it does start to feel like, and there are some members of Congress I think this is more particularly apparent with, it feels like this is personal. I don't mean this uh, oh, is yeah. about personal politics. I mean there are a few of these holdouts for whom it's really not about the Republic or Congress or the swamp or whatever. They don't want McCarthy. This is not a uh, a maneuver to necessarily even focus on who will be the speaker because they don't Jim Jordan they're voting for Jim Jordan he says I don't want to be the speaker so that's not a good that's not a good option play I think they've turned into the never Kevin caucus and I want to know why that is absent a viable alternative yeah I think you're right and for people out there structurally to contemplate this you basically have 19 or 20 republicans staring down about 200 Republicans, right? And the stare down is over who's going to break first because 
the Kevin McCarthy contingent, which is why I'm, I'm curious to see in this fourth vote, are there more people who decide, hey, Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes, it's time to move on. But this is uh, an intractable um, a, a, a debate here where I I don't believe that either side can negotiate their way to a win. The 18 to 20, whatever number you want to put on it, the 20 was the most recent vote, of people who are opposed to Kevin McCarthy are so locked in opposed to him that they're not going to acquiesce. And then the question becomes, okay, are the 200 or so that are committed to Kevin McCarthy, are they so strongly committed that they're going to uh, continue this stare down? And that's why I asked the question, Buck. We could have a multi-month scenario here where there is no resolution, in theory, because the House doesn't have anything that they have to do from a constitutional basis that would mean that they have to be there. Now, it's embarrassing. It doesn't look good for Republicans, but I tend to think most people aren't really paying that much attention to the selection of the of the speaker. So I don't know that there's a major political cost right now. I also think that there's a difference between standing up to the machine and sabotaging your own machinery. And this group of holdouts needs to be very careful that they're doing the, the, the former and not the latter, right? That they have to understand what the long-term implications of this might be for the GOP. I mean, you mentioned where we're heading here as a process. Everyone is now, uh, is now looking at the history books. And yeah, yeah this hasn't happened since 1923. We mentioned that yesterday. It's only happened 14 times in the history of the Republic. 13 of those are before the Civil War. And I think it was what in the 1850s that this stretched on for, uh, for months. Uh, so what exactly would be the win if this did stretch on for months? And, and you have to look at this with Kevin McCarthy. What is the benefit for him of standing down? Like if he has he has 200 people who are Republicans who have already voted for him, he is going to look weak. And I'm just trying to think of this from to do some mirror imaging right from his side of the negotiating table he's going to back down because this small group of of Republican congressmen and women say that they don't want him. 200 say they do want him. This this starts to feel, you know, is this tactics or tantrum? And we need to have clarity on which one this falls into. Well, also, what is the exit ramp, right? In any negotiation, if it's just not blood hate, there is a solution that can be found at some point. It doesn't seem like there is an exit ramp for these 20 Republicans right now. They don't want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker. It doesn't seem like they've negotiated anything that they can get suddenly that's going to allow them to claim that they've uh, achieved something. And for Kevin McCarthy, the question is, I think, Buck, how steadfast are the 200 behind him? And how long would it take, and I don't know the answer to this, how long would it take for 20 or 30 of those supporters to just say, ah, I'm just fed up with this. There's not a big difference between you and Steve Scalise or whoever else the second option might be. So, we, you know, we look at, we're looking at the, the machinery of Congress and, and the steps here and the votes and the phases. I do also think we could all step back and see that there is a, a, a contest for the heart and soul of the GOP that is underway right now in different ways, in different uh, contexts, certainly happening in Congress. You have the MAGA 
Trump uh, ideology within the Republican Party. You have establishment GOP folks. You have some rising up and comers within the GOP ranks. And, and I think at some level, a lot of this noise that we're seeing play out right now is a reflection of that fact. You know, whose GOP is it? I, I know people right now will have answers, but there isn't a clear and definitive answer. Um, and I think that's part of what's pushing this is that so that there's a narrative benefit to this. At least there's a narrative uh, that's playing out right now, a fight of narratives. And so it's not just about who's going to be Speaker of the House. I, I think it's really what is the GOP for the next two years? What is the messaging? And the speakers, uh, the fight over this over Speaker of the House doesn't determine that. But it's, I think, one piece in that overall uh, in that overall puzzle. Building on that, I want everybody out there to think about this. When we come back, I'll hit you with it, and we'll debate it a little bit and discuss it. Are you surprised at all, Buck, that Trump has waded in as aggressively as he has to support Kevin McCarthy, given where we are? Um, Because he's been, I mean, I think this is kind of an interesting political calculus for Trump as well. In the wake of the midterms, where things did not go well for his candidate, Coming out as aggressively as he is now for Kevin McCarthy, I wonder what the political calculus is for Trump yeah, let, as this thing plays out. Let's talk about that because this is this goes right to the heart of it. Whose GOP is it right now? Yeah. And how is the GOP going to fight? That this is a battle in that larger war, I think. And and that's something that we'll we'll dive into here together in a, in a, in a couple minutes. Look, there are some crimes that are committed that are so obvious, you can just see them with your eyes. You know it's happened. You know who did it. But then there are silent crimes, like online identity theft. No alarms go off. There's no security video, no witnesses. Cyber crimes are often committed by skilled hackers that live half a world away. They want your personal data so they can pretend to be you online and steal your bank accounts, your credit cards, and much more. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your personal information gets exposed so often, making it dangerously easy for a cyber criminal to steal your identity. That's why you want identity theft protection from LifeLock by Norton. LifeLock detects and alerts you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own, like crimes committed by thieves who pretend to be you. And if you do become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist is going to work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com and use promo code B-U-C-K for 25% off. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play in but going strong, and we are going to be running through a whole bunch of the most important stories out there right now over the course of today, including more uh, Twitter files out there right now about the intelligence community from whence, or actually, I guess whence, you don't say from whence, right? Whatever. Whence I come, Clay, does that sound right? I think I would say from whence, but I don't know it, that is that's it from dramatically whence or is correct. Is just whence? Anyway, well, point being... I uh, exited that place, so I know quite a bit about it, but there's Twitter files out. Um, but right now we're focused on the trench warfare phase, which I, I think you can call this that yeah. uh, going on if, in, in political terms on Capitol Hill right now. You have people who are fighting this out. Um, and, and I would say that Trump weighing in today as he has uh Raises the stakes in a number of ways, right? Because, Clay, to, to my my earlier point here about how this feels, on the one hand, it, it, and I, I, we're hearing this, you're hearing this as well, and we don't want to make it about who's saying what about whom, but there are personal grievances that are involved here. There are some yes. people that really don't like Kevin McCarthy on a personal level, not just on a policy level, who are involved in this rebel wing of the GOP right now. Okay, that's one part of it. But then there's also whose GOP is it? Donald Trump has weighed in on the side of Kevin McCarthy. In what universe now does Kevin McCarthy back down to this uh, rebel wing of the GOP on this issue, given that the former president and possible future president and likeliest right now GOP nominee has weighed in? You know what I'm saying? On, on McCarthy's side as well. It just feels to me like... There's an inevitability here that everybody sees except the holdouts. It also, to me, politically means that Kevin McCarthy has got to be in Donald Trump's camp as steadfastly as possible for the 2024 campaign. 
And so when you think about the calculus of why Trump would get involved, certainly he can think McCarthy is the best option and he can like McCarthy personally, and that can all be true. And McCarthy can well have had a good relationship with Trump and worked assiduously to have that good relationship with him. But if you're Trump and you're looking towards 24, regardless of how exactly this plays out, Kevin McCarthy is in your camp for 24. The other thing I would say, though, Buck, is if this does end up falling apart, and let's say Kevin McCarthy can't get across the finish line, Trump risks putting himself in a precarious position on some level to come out as aggressively for Kevin McCarthy, say, hey, he's got my full support, and then somebody else ends up the Speaker of the House, and Trump is kind of out there on a on a line. And this also feels like there are many layers here that we have to look at and understand their their implications. You have a number of the most vocal Trump supporters in Congress. That's right. Part of the anti-McCarthy wing, despite the fact that Trump has now come out and said, knock it off, guys and gals. Kevin's right. got to be our guy at this point in time. And I, I would wonder, because, you know, we had people calling in yesterday and uh, and saying, you know, oh, well, maybe we, we think it's we're tired of the swamp. We want new blood. We want new people. There were there are those calls. There are other people calling in saying that they think Kevin McCarthy's the guy. Now that Trump has weighed in, does that change the calculations a little bit of the base? And are, are, if, if Trump, as he has, is so firmly in the Kevin McCarthy camp, what does that mean for the rank and file GOP voter at this phase. I got to think that it may, like I said, it makes it feel as though it's an inevitability that everybody sees, but the holdouts. And also I'll point out that Jim Jordan is the guy putting forward Kevin McCarthy's vote yesterday for the nomination to be speaker of the house. And all of these 20 voted for Jim Jordan and said, we actually want you to be speaker, Jim Jordan, uh, which I don't know if we've ever seen that before. So there is a lot of different machinations in place. Is there some sort of secret consensus candidate that could emerge? I'll continue to point that out there. If McCarthy and the 20 just continue to stare each other down and no one was willing to bend at all. I'm not sure who's more excited about the reintroduction of my pillows, best-selling slippers, my wife or Mike Lindell. Uh, she's got these things on all the time. All of her girlfriends have them. Right now, they're only forty nine ninety eight a pair, which is $90 off the regular price. I know a lot of you bought them for the holiday season, and you should check them out yourself if you haven't already. Maybe you're still chasing some of these holiday gifts. You can go to Clay and Buck as the code at MyPillow.com, and when you get them, you get a 60-day money-back guarantee. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty as well. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. $90 off on the My Slippers. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269. Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Drama continues. In the last couple of minutes, Chip Roy, good dude from down in Texas, has nominated Byron Donalds, another good guy from Florida. He was the 20th. If you're, this is really, again, I'm not sure exactly where this is all going, uh, Buck, but if you're paying attention, Byron Donalds was 
the 20th vote on the third ballot. They now are on to a fourth ballot officially underway. It is not going to happen that, uh, that we are going to see a victory here yet again. And now the question is going to be how many more people might break off and what does that mean for Kevin McCarthy going forward? And and again, Buck, this is I don't know how long this could go on for months, by the way, in theory. They could be on the seventy fourth different count. And I don't know when either side would actually make the decision to break and adjust the uh the choices that they're making. But how many votes do we need to have before one side or the other says, Hey, this is intractable, we're not reaching a consensus in any way. I don't know the answer, but I feel like it may drag on through the end of the week. Well, so we we talked a little bit yesterday about a government shutdown and how the thing about the government shutdowns is people understand why we have done them or why Republicans have pushed for them in the past. They're not as catastrophic as the media wants people to believe, but they do always end. And most of the the polling data that I've seen could be wrong. And we know polls are imperfect, everybody, as we've found out so many times, suggests that Republicans get the blame for the shutdown. And so it's a political, even if it's principled, it's a political loser. And when you're doing something out of principle in the political realm and you're losing power as a result that you might be losing some momentum, you, you have to really take a long, hard look at what what is being accomplished with all this at this phase it feels like there's one group that is on the government shutdown side so to speak and another that is saying okay well let's get going let's get the business of government moving and so when have they made their case right like what i'm saying is that you always know that government's not going to stay shut down forever they're making a point about something and they're negotiating over something it seems like in this instance the negotiations aren't really going anywhere because the one thing that the rebels want is, and I don't know what, what do, do we have a good name for them that they like to be called? I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cast any, uh, aspersions or uh, one way or the, the anti-squad, other squad, the anti squad, whatever, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, the right wing squad, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the holdouts against, uh, the, the anti McCarthyism. There you go. Anti McCarthyites. Anti McCarthyites. Uh, they seem to want the one thing that the other side obviously isn't going to budge on. So it leaves us in the situation. Lauren Boebert, who we both know, yep. is one of the members here uh, who is standing against McCarthy at this phase. Here's what she said, because she voted for Jim Jordan, and yet she knows Jim Jordan doesn't want to be speaker. Play four. Evidently, we're not going to play four. We're uh, not going to play clips, apparently. Okay. Uh, clip four, Lauren Bober will come to us at some point here. But the point is, Clay, uh, wh- okay, we've got it. Play it. I'm voting for anyone who actually brings unity to the Republican Party and helps get our country back on track. And we have that? to actually govern on the things that we've campaigned. Well, right now, our candidate is Jim Jordan. This is He is a fighter. He is a leader. Um, he may not want it right now, but George Washington did not want to be president. He did what was right for his country. So do you think and Jim every Jordan time, is the consensus candidate? Right now, he absolutely is. And every time that he speaks up um, to defend Kevin McCarthy, he actually just reaffirms why he would make a great speaker. And if you heard from him that he does not want it in any way, shape, or form, what do you say? 
I have heard that from him, and uh, if we have the numbers, then sorry, Jim Jordan, we're going to make you do what's right for the country. We love you. And so is this supposed to be like the the President James Garfield nomination style uh, or, you know, style nomination for Speaker of the House? Like, he doesn't doesn't want it, so give it to him? Well, and, and for people out there who don't follow the internal politics of the House, and I certainly understand why that could be the case, Jim Jordan is the leader of the House Freedom Caucus, and he is the uh, most beloved person probably in Congress of the 20 people who are voting right now against Kevin McCarthy. But Jim Jordan is trying to get Kevin McCarthy the speakership. So they have developed a pretty good relationship. Then I think you add on Trump. Trump and Jim Jordan have a phenomenal relationship. And so you've got this, uh, the calculus here that's so interesting, Buck, is the people who are most diehard in the Trump camp are directly opposing what Trump and Jim Jordan would tell them to do in favor of Kevin McCarthy. And just, just for the historical reference that I made, back in the 1880, this is the James Garfield election, 1880 Republican National Convention. The delegates chose Garfield, despite the fact that he didn't actually seek to be president. He was a compromise nominee. It took 36 rounds of voting to make Garfield the nominee. 36 rounds of voting. Uh, so yeah, there you go. The fourth ballot is officially underway and McCarthy has already lost this, uh, number as well. The thing that is going to be interesting to see again is just what is the total number going to look like? Are there going to continue to be kind of this piecemeal drop off? Here's the other question, Buck. Did the, uh, do the rebels, the rebel alliance as it were, have they seeded this knowing that the votes are coming so that they slowly add one or two supporters every single round as the vote goes on so that it looks like Kevin McCarthy is bleeding some support? I I don't know, but I think it's worth contemplating that they may have known, hey, we're going to get into the eighth vote and then you're going to drop off. And maybe they've only got 34 people who are committed to this, but slowly they all add up to try to create the narrative of McCarthy is losing support. And and if they are successful, there's a clear precedent that is being set by this, especially in a narrowly divided House of Representatives that. A small faction, if they're willing to take, if they're willing to go to the mat, willing to take it all the way, uh, they can effectively, I don't, hijack would be a, uh, that, that term comes with too many connotations, but they could steer the process in the, in a way that they want, despite being a very, very small minority overall within their party. So I just think, I think the precedent setting aspect of this would be very interesting. And I I wonder what the negotiations look like after today. I mean, McCarthy just lost now. It's breaking news, everybody. Yeah. Just lost his fourth consecutive vote. And, you know, it does make it seem I, I worry about this because I, I like to, again, take the step back and think about how this is looking. The 30,000 foot view of this, the long term political implications of this. We know that 1% of the electorate gets to determine whether it's a Democrat or Republican victory for Senate seats, and it might even be that way for the presidency. It certainly will be 2 or 3%. And when you have a Democrat party that moves in lockstep unison and a Republican party that seems at war with itself, I think it's an open question, but I certainly start to lean in one direction on it. 
Who does that favor, Clay? People tend to like order, and they tend to like a sense that one team is acting as a team. I also wonder, Buck, could we end up in a situation, basically right now we have a head-to-head stalemate. You know, that 20 uh, Republicans saying no to the 200. Could we have a threat emerge, I'm just going to toss this out there, where a new block, let's say 10 Republicans or 12, whatever's necessary to get Hakeem Jeffries over the line, says, hey, unless you guys work this out, we're taking our 12 votes and we're going to vote for the Democrat. Is that possible? Because then you have like a three-way guns, everybody's got their guns drawn, you know, and like, right now we have a head-to-head disagreement. Is there a third group that could emerge in some way to impact this logjam? Whether they're willing to do it or not, with the threat of, screw you guys, this is so stupid, we're going to walk. Would that potentially move things? I don't know. I'd also wonder if any of the rebels are willing to come out and say, I often tell people, whenever Democrats are calling something obstruction, you should be smiling because it's a good thing. Because that means the government is less likely or less able to do damage to you because the government is doing less. You know, they would always say during the Obama administration, Republicans were obstructionist. And there's a reason we have a separation of powers. There's a reason we have the system that we do. So maybe one of the rebels could come forward and say, you know, guys, even if we do vote on this for a month or two, what's the they've already they've already voted for the spending for next year. What's the big difference? I'm wondering if they're going to make that case, because I think at some point they might have to. I, I don't know what the alternative is to who cares. We can't get any laws passed anyway. Let's have this fight. They may dig in. Like I said, trench warfare. And here's the final thought for us. as We go to break, Buck. What about Kevin McCarthy? At some point, does he start to talk to Democrats and try to find 12 Democrats that potentially would be willing to support his speakerdom? Right now, the Democrats just get to sit back on the side and watch the bonfire. Oh, there's, I think there's no incentive for Democrats to help the Republicans out of this mess they've created for themselves. I can't imagine they would. I mean, how could you induce that, right? Giving, giving 12, giving somebody as a a chairmanship. Oh, the horse trading. You think they'll be able to pull that off? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But it, at some point, if you have to get to 218, somebody has to get to 218. I don't know how you get to 218 if 20 say we hate you and the other 200 said we hate you and we're not going to be negotiating well, and held hostage here. Uh, it's a mess. The good news is we will find out <laughs> at some point how this goes. This This saga will have an end date, I think. Well, my friends, I want to switch gears for a moment here. Would you give me, uh, would you join me rather in giving the gift of life? You can do that with a donation to the nonprofit organization called the Preborn Pregnancy Clinic. For 16 plus years, they've operated clinics in cities where abo- abortions occur often and they offer an alternative to expectant mothers making a very difficult decision. Each of these clinics offers women a free ultrasound and plenty of support and love and compassion as they make a decision about their unborn child. When a woman meets her child via ultrasound, she hears that heartbeat and witnesses the movements of the child she's carrying, and most of the time, she will choose life. And that's where you come in. Join me in making a donation. Just $28 pays for that potentially life-saving ultrasound. A gift of $140 pays for five ultrasounds. And now, through a matching donation, your gift is doubled. 100% of your gift goes to saving babies, and all gifts are tax-deductible. To donate securely, use your cell phone 
and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby, or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really feels like we are going off the rails of a crazy train here, looking at the news about travel restrictions as a means of lessening the impact of COVID. It, this is a story... From the last 24 hours up on the New York Times, that China is denouncing COVID testing rules imposed on its travelers. So here, here's what's going on. A number of countries, Canada, the U.S., France, Spain, Japan, are restricting travel in some way, uh, arriving travelers from China because of the surge in COVID-19 infections in that country. China has just recently started to allow its citizens to travel abroad again. And so now there's this, uh, there's this 
uh, fight about the issue brewing. China is saying that they will have reciprocal measures. And here is um, noted public health expert Corinne Jean-Pierre of the White House on the China travel restriction situation. Play 16. The White House has to respond. There's some pretty sharp rhetoric coming out of Beijing today in response to the, the testing measures that the U.S. and other countries have put in place on Chinese travelers in the last uh, week or so. Has the White House seen that? And any response to that? Yeah. So we've seen that. Look, I, I I will not speak for for China, but I'll be but I'll but I'll say this: there's no cause for retaliation here, uh, just because countries around the world are taking prudent health measures to protect their citizens. Uh, that's what you're seeing uh, from us and others. Uh, this decision is based on public health and science i just want to say clay that there is no amount of stupidity or suffering that will make democrats change their minds on this stuff the only thing is taking power from them and then maybe they'll adjust accordingly but as long as they're in a capacity where they can do these things and, and get away with it the, the notion that we're lessening covid in this country based upon chinese we ran the experiment the whole the whole thing has shown that this is crazy and it also, of course, shows you that China's no, zero COVID policy, which all these news outlets were saying, oh, it's brilliant. Look at how compliant everybody is in China. Well, total disaster. Yeah. And the fact that we still have any COVID restrictions at all in this country anywhere is indefensible based on science. It just is. And we now have still in place a policy just extended until April of 2023 that you can't fly into this country unless you have gotten the COVID shot. That's crazy. That's why, for instance, Novak Djokovic cannot come here still and theoretically play in uh, the U.S. Open. Now, Australia has ended their ridiculous uh, ban, so he's going to play here in a couple of weeks, uh, I believe, down in the Australian Open. The other thing here that remains insanely ridiculous is, Buck, there are hundreds of thousands of kids that are having to wear masks as they return to school from their Christmas break all over the East and West Coast. We know all of the data is so transparently clear that masking kids in schools did nothing. And, you know, this happened to me. I never talked to other parents other than to, like, nod or, like, you know, uh, try to be helpful if there's some small thing I can do. I was at the uh, Salt Lake City Airport on Sunday uh, flying back to uh, to Nashville and there was a mom there with her two-year-old masked in the concourse of the airport. And I really felt like saying that's child abuse to the mom. And I don't know if I'm unique in that. No, uh, I no, try not I, to get involved in other people's parenting decision, but it's such child abuse to me, a two-year-old. You, you know when you see a parent who, out of out of anger and frustration you know, yanks on the arm of a child, gets a little rough with a child, and you have that, that, ah, don't, you know, don't, yeah. don't do that. You cringe when you see yeah. this. I have a similar feeling when I see parents with small children masked up, particularly if they've got a little tiny N95 on their face. I, I look at it as the same way that I look at somebody who, you know, shoves their kid because they just can't handle it anymore. It's unacceptable to me. Yeah, I, I, I just, it's, it's rare that I react that way, but to see a two-year-old in an airport with a parent that's insisting that they put that mask on. Two-year-old doesn't want to wear a mask. Two-year-old is, you know, two-year-olds are hard to get to do anything. They don't want to wear pants or shirts, much less wear masks. And I just, I don't know how we break the psychosis of these people because the mom is convinced she's doing the right thing. 
Yeah. And she's totally 100% well, wrong. The only one who could really turn it around, I think, is Fauci, and he won't because he's a monster. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 